When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we got another Tell Us About Your Team episode tonight. I got to tell you, this is one that I really did not think was going to happen for a reason that you'll hear when we uh, when we get into this interview. But man, I, I'm excited we were able to get this one in. Evan Carpenter joins us, fan of the podcast, Joey, for multiple years. Mm-hmm. He's been around with us for four years, he told us, which is pretty exciting. So he'll get into all that on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Diehard BC fan, BC alum, who was there during the Matt Ryan years, mm-hmm. tells you everything you need to know. He's seen really good Boston College teams. He's seen really, really bad Boston College teams, Frank Spaziani teams that nobody really likes to talk about. Yep. He was, yeah, he was a big fan during all that he's been with them through thick and thin he had some thoughts on jeff Hathley, thoughts on the administration as a look for a new athletic director talked about talked about the pros and cons of where bc is located how it feeds into you know their recruiting their successes their failures um also some interesting discussion about the administration itself and we're not just talking about the athletic department we're talking about the president on down and kind of how they view Mm-hmm. Um, the, the athletics as a whole at Boston College, and that was a really informative part of this podcast. So yeah, he was great. Got got us all a bunch of information that we didn't we didn't know about BC that I think is um, really important to keep in mind with how we view the program moving forward. Yep, yeah, I'll put it this way: you know, if if you're anything like me, and you know, two months ago, you, you know, you, you're asked what do you think of Boston College, and you just think, well. ACC program kind of middling play, uh, middling school, you know, uh, middling program. You know, they struggle to really win a whole lot of games. They're uh, they're way out of the way of a you know, kind of the the center of college football, and and that's it. Like I, I'll tell you right now, I started doing some research, and there were some things that we talked about in this episode that caught me off guard. Um, there is a lot more going on with this program. I think you know, not only currently but historically than is immediately obvious, I think, to a lot of uh, a lot of, you know, other casual viewers of college football. So I think there is a lot to learn about, you know, some of the some of the behind the scenes politics, as you're kind of referencing um, some of the the history of Boston College and just, you know, some of the coaches that have gone through there. There there is a lot, a lot that goes into this school and, and it kind of turns it into what it is. So uh, we were we were really excited to talk to Kevin and I thought he gave a lot of really great insights into you know, what, again, what makes Boston College the way that it is? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yep. So, Mike, with that, without any further ado, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Here it is, our conversation with Mr. Kevin Carpenter as he tells us about the Boston College Eagles football program. Here it is. Take a listen. All right, Mike, joining us now to tell us about his team we are thrilled to welcome on mr kevin carpenter to the show kevin welcome how are you doing man doing great happy to be here thanks guys absolutely thank you for joining us excited to talk about boston college you know it's it's funny when when we initially put out this call mike and i talked about how there were there were a couple of schools that we were really not really sure we were going to get any response from and I believe you were one of the first two responses we got saying, hey, I'd love to talk Boston College. So we're, we're thrilled that we have anybody listening from the area uh, and, and interested in talking about the team. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your background, how you got involved with Boston College or associated, you know, the fandom and all that. And then, uh, you know, how did you how did you find the podcast? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I attended Boston College from 2006 to 2010. Um, a good time to be I, there. Yeah, exactly. You know, got to see Matt Ryan, got to see Luke Keekley, some really good football. Um, so I kind of got bitten by the bug 
in that um, really the 2007 season is what hooked me um, for obvious reasons and uh, just been kind of diehard Boston College football fan ever since. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, born and raised, and I live there now. So I'm not as intertwined with this of like really local Massachusetts stuff, but um, yeah, I, I, I follow everything pretty religiously. Um, as far as the podcast, I really just, you know, was interested in finding an ACC podcast to kind of get more knowledge on my frenemies in the ACC. And, uh, you know, there are back like four years ago when I initially searched, there was not a ton of options, um, a few, uh, tried them and I found you guys to be the most, uh, entertaining and informative. So I've stuck with it. It's pretty cool. I must say it's pretty cool. That's the second response we've gotten Joey now where, you know, we talked to UVA and, you know, now we're talking about Boston college and two different people have literally just searched ACC football podcast and found us. So like that a lot. Um, if anybody ever tells also, you that search engine optimization doesn't work, that's right. Tell yeah, them that we have that an ACC and, football called basketball conference and uh, people found right. us anyways. That's right. That's right. You and I experts in SEO. Um, <laughs> Well, no, we, we um, yeah, that, that, that's exciting stuff that we've been able to kind of still have that reach. And Kevin, you've been along or around long enough now to, you know, hear all of Joey and I's incredible segment ideas and all the jokes that we've had really over the past four years. And we've really started to hit our stride with the podcast. So I appreciate you sticking around, not being like, you know, too, too offended by everything we put out. <laughs> I've got a strong stomach. <laughs> Good. Kevin, let's talk about your Eagles. And and again, what we want to do with this series is really talk about kind of what, what are the things that make this program the way that it is? Um, you know, every, I think it's one of the interesting things about college football is that there are so many different situations that each school is and, um, you know, the very widely varying levels of like how difficult or easy jobs can kind of tend to be. And, and as I think about Boston College, you, you know, and kind of researching some of the history for this show, like, I got to be real honest, Kevin, I, I was thinking, you know, this is a team, obviously, that's had a couple of peaks, you know, you think about the Matt Ryan years, you think about like going back to Doug Flutie in the 80s, even I think the Hasselbeck brothers playing there, like, there have been some good teams, but overall, just thinking like a college football team in Boston, like, I, I just don't know that that really matches up that well or sets up for success. And yet... I was really like pleasantly surprised to see how overall successful Boston College has been over the past century, really, as a program. Um, it, it is a program that is, has, has had a, a pretty proud history for, for a long, long time. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, you know, people do tend to, I feel like they don't necessarily um, have a good appreciation for that always. Um, I feel like Boston College as a program tends to get underestimated a bit. Um, I don't know why that is. Part of it might be the fact that they are in the Northeast in a major city. And, you know, college football is a sport that's dominated by schools in the South and the Midwest. Um, part of it might also be that, you know, despite the fact that the schools put together some runs of being pretty solid, they've never been really great. They've never had a conference championship. They've never really been a team that really kind of puts the fear in another team. So that might be part of it too. <laughs> Kevin, how do you, I guess, how do you assess Boston college over the past, I don't know, 35, 40 years, right? So, you know, before your time as a fan to the lead up to when you got into school and, and went there and saw kind of the, kind of the best like five or six years stretch of football that they've really had in, in their history to kind of the, the really bad years in the early 2010s to now this kind of reemergence under Halfley. Like where do you see BC and I guess in the historic pecking order in, in the ACC and the old big East and, and kind of where they're at now, where they're heading as a program. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like, BC definitely belongs in the ACC. Um, it, it's funny. I, Whenever uh, opposing teams kind of break out the schedule for the new year and kind of 
look at each team and kind of go down the line and say, okay, that's that's a win, that's a loss, that's a win, that's a loss. I feel like unless you're a fan of Duke, you're probably saying, oh, we'll beat Boston College. Um, but the reality is, unless you're Clemson or Florida State, um, it's probably about 50-50, um, you know? Um, so it's definitely a program, you know, not that the ACC's a conference that top to bottom is, you know, super strong, but, you know, it, it, it pulls its weight as a team, as a member of the conference. And, um, yeah, I just, again, don't know why, but for whatever reason, I feel like we just don't get the credit for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, you know, from 1946 to 2008, right? So 2008 being the end of that Matt Ryan era, um, there towards the end of that Jeff Jagosinski era. I mean, that's a 62-year span where I saw 20 years of those 62, they were below 500, 18 of them at 700 or better. Like, you know, a lot more winning than losing done for a long time, I was impressed by. And, and I, I guess... That's the interesting thing here is that there has been some recent struggles. I mean, in the 13 years since the firing of Jeff Jagosinski, uh, basically again since Matt Ryan left, that's 12 straight seasons of seven and five or worse. Um, and so that's kind of the interesting thing, I guess, is that it is more recent. You know, some of the some of the I guess I don't know the malaise, maybe a little bit, or, or kind of the you know the lack of a peak for 13 years. And so I don't know how much you know. Boston College does, I, I completely agree, belongs in the ACC. Would you attribute the the recent track record as compared to the historical one of kind of joining the ACC and being at probably the highest level of consistent competition that Boston College has historically been at? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I will kind of point out that in 2007 and 2008 bc did go to the acc championship mm-hmm. uh only to lose to virginia tech thanks a lot mike but um <laughs> yeah i mean and in 2008 by the way that was the year after matt ryan had already left um we had a guy by the name of chris crane at quarterback and i doubt anybody really remembers him um it was just a really strong defense that year <laughs> so it's not like we need a uh, matt ryan or a um doug flutie in order to be like a really dangerous football team yeah this kind of time this ties in halfly a lot i think but bc historically is has been a program that you know sitting outside downtown boston i mean let's face it like massachusetts is not exactly a hotbed for high school talent so what everybody seems to point to with boston college in terms of kind of where it is in the pecking order of jobs in the acc or just even in the power five is that hey that's a really hard school to go coach at because there in Massachusetts, how many, you know, how many players want to go play college football right outside Boston, where Boston is such a pro sports centric town. Um, you know, Boston College is kind of the afterthought in, in the Boston metro area, right? So there's that on top of the weather, and people seem to think that, you know, why would anybody want to go to Boston College? But then Jeff Hapley comes in and now all of a sudden BC is recruiting at a level that we really haven't seen them recruit at in a really long time. So now I'm kind of rethinking that because I had the conventional thought in my head that, yeah, the reason why Steve Adazio, you know, didn't work there, um, a reason why Spaziani didn't work there is because they didn't, they couldn't recruit to the school, but how true is that? Like, how difficult is it to recruit to Boston College? How big of a myth is it? Like, where, where does it kind of stand in terms of, like, how people view Boston College as a university, you know, being able to recruit to the campus? Like, how big of a deal is that actually? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There, there are challenges there. Um, I, don't, I think they're overblown. I think, um, you know, there's definitely challenges with a school that has you know higher admission standards the weather not as you know inviting and you know in boston it's a pro sports town i mean boston college football is normally not going to be on the radar of your average sports fan and that's just the way it is um but at the same time you know i think there's a little bit of recency bias going on where really spaziani was horrible at recruiting he was just like really really bad um I, I think they lost a recruiting battle to the northeastern track team at one point um hmm. 
but uh yeah he, adazio was better uh you know i don't want to give him too much credit but um you know he he, he was somewhat we don't confident. want to give adazio credit on this podcast <laughs> don't want to do that. yeah um it, it there a good coach can do wonders and and honestly halfley is just somebody who i think understands the program and he understands how to sell it um you're not going to be able to change our location. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to change the weather. You know, there's just certain things that they are what they are. And instead of apologizing for them or trying to hide from them, you know, use them as selling points, mm-hmm. you know, to the, to the degree that you can. Yep. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, we always talk about Boston college being in chestnut Hill, but again, that's less than 10 miles outside of downtown Boston. It's 12 miles from Logan airport. Like it's, it's a suburb, I guess at best, it's pretty much, you know, right there in Boston. So yeah, you can leverage, it's a cool town. It's easy to get to, you know, with a pretty sizable international airport there. Um, interesting to me, you know, again, we, we talked about Massachusetts not having a ton of like homegrown local high end talent, uh, from a football standpoint. Um, and historically it looks like Boston college has, has done a good amount of recruiting from like the New York, New Jersey, Maryland area, kind of working down the East coast a little bit. Um, but one of the things that, you know, you brought up, Kevin, as we were talking beforehand, is that Jeff Halfley has done a, a pretty good job as well of kind of branching out a little bit more nationally, kind of across the country and, and embracing the, you know, the travel aspect and, and, and come check it out here uh, in terms of recruiting. It seems like that's maybe, you know, I, I don't know how high the ceiling will ever go, but it seems like he's definitely able to raise the floor that way. For sure. Yeah. Um Again, I don't know how much higher it can go, as you said, um, maybe a little bit here or there, but I think he's pretty much maximizing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm i fine with that. I mean, I think what he's done so far has been really promising. And um, yeah, I mean, Northeastern recruiting is always going to be the sort of bedrock that Boston College builds its classes on every year. But I mean, we're seeing them go down to places like Florida Georgia, Texas, Alabama, and pull recruits out of these areas. I mean, they're not blue chip recruits, but these are good recruits from often nationally ranked high school programs that he's getting. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, this is something that, you know, coaches before him have never done at the school, at least that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. We talked about, well, you talked about the, the academic standards, you know, being a bit restrictive in terms of, you know, making it difficult to recruit certain kids to Boston College. Um, one thing we didn't mention is Boston College's status as a private school, Catholic Jesuit school. Does that make a difference at all in the recruiting, you think? I do, actually. And um, I think Halfley has been able to use it as a selling point where previous coaches kind of haven't. Um, you look at lists of some of the top high school football programs in the country. A lot of them are Catholic schools, especially in that and, DC Maryland area. Yeah. St. Francis Academy, mm-hmm. uh, in particular, they've been hitting it very hard. Um, you know, that doesn't mean every single player on those teams is going to want to play for either Notre Dame or Boston college. And that's it. Um, but I think it does get you in the door. I think it does make recruits willing to listen to your pitch i think it makes parents maybe feel more open to the idea of going to boston college of coaches maybe Mm -hmm. more open to the idea of their athlete going to boston college we mentioned too that again boston kind of has a reputation as a, a pro sports town um you know red sox patriots celtics bruins at at the very least i would think kind of take up a lot of that attention in the local media probably more so than boston college does the other thing that i think is interesting and and it just now occurred to me i forgot to mention this ever before but um if i'm not mistaken there's something like upwards of 100 colleges in the boston area if if i'm not mistaken like it's a, a lot of small colleges you know high academic places all that does that play in at all with some again the some of the local culture or how Boston College is perceived? You know, are they able to gain any extra interest? You know, with other schools that maybe don't have those teams that want to you know have students who want to watch football. Like, is there is there any interaction there, or is it totally just grasping at straws? 
Yeah, uh, you do get the random uh, fan who, you know, went to UMass or, you know, Northeastern or something, and, and they're a college football fan. And so they kind of kind of gravitate towards Boston College as the local team. Uh, it does happen, but in general, it's pretty rare. Um, in general, it's more of a case of, you know, these are schools that we have hockey rivalries with and up in Massachusetts, <laughs> college hockey is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so fans of Boston university, UMass, they'll be caught dead before they're at Boston college. And, and <laughs> um, you know, like you said, with anybody who has gone to some other college up there tends to have that allegiance before, you know, they root for the P five team. Interesting. Facilities. What's the deal with BC's facilities? Because, you know, BC being a private school, don't really get a good look at, you know, how they're funded. Same thing with Notre Dame. We know Notre Dame's got exorbitant amounts of money with big donors and everything else, but there's not really a good look, I guess, from the outside eye. It's like, what does BC look like from that standpoint? So in terms of like donors, in terms of facilities, you know, where does BC kind of stack up and how are they viewed by the, by the diehard Boston college football fan? Yeah. Um, for a long time, the facilities were pretty bad. Um, and I think that was a big reason for the results in the 2010s that we saw. Um, it, it took a while for them to make that investment. Um, in 2018, they did open a new um, indoor field house. Um, I've not seen it in person yet, but it does, from all intents, you know, look actually pretty good. I think it's, you know, at the very least, at the standard of what an ACC program should have. Um, you know, it, it does seem like they have made investments there and are, you know, for after a long period of not trying to keep up, um, I, I think they are making an effort now. Um, Part of it is that a lot of these big projects, they want to have them funded by donors. Um, There's not as much of a commitment from the university itself to put that money down. So that does also kind of lead to these delays and getting these big projects up and running. Mm. Um, So yeah, it was a big problem in the 2010s and and we're starting to see it addressed. Where's and and where where's Boston College's football program in the pecking order in the athletic department in your view? Number one, I think for sure. Um, you know, the ice hockey team has won multiple national championships, and, and mm-hmm. everybody's proud of that. But I don't think there's any illusion that you know the school basically has to live and die on football. Um, right. it's, it's the reason we're in the ACC and, and, you know, the millions of dollars that have come along with that. Interesting. Um, one other question from a facilities standpoint, uh, I, you know, truthfully, I have never been to Boston college's campus. I know with some places in particular space becomes an issue, just literally having room to build things. Is that the case at Boston college or, or is there, they kind of have a little bit of room to spread out and make things if they need to. Yeah, space is definitely at a premium. Um, they have slowly over time been able to acquire parcels of land here, or there, uh, in and around the area of their main campus. But um, their main campus right now is pretty much packed. There isn't really much room to expand there. They, they can knock something down and put something new up, which they are doing. But for the most part, it, it is self-contained. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's that's been another hurdle in in some of these big projects where, um, you know, the new basketball hoops facility that they're, um, you know, building right now, that I think they're just gonna have to like knock down a portion of Conde Forum, which is where the hockey team and basketball team, you know, play and practice in order to get that built. Hmm. It's 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 familiar. It's relatable. You know, as a Georgia Tech guy, that's that's definitely something that they're up against. Um, you know, they got the indoor facility built probably about 10 years ago, and they managed to somehow fit it in between the baseball stadium, the track track and field area, and the chemical engineering building. Um, and I, I don't know, like, it's only like a 70-yard field or something like that, you know, but it's it's good enough or whatever. But it's, you know, space is one of those things, especially for some of these schools and cities uh, like this, that 
can really kind of become an issue uh, when you're, you're pretty landlocked by by the outside uh, and surrounding areas. Um, Mike mentioned earlier it, it is a well-regarded school, um, and it is. It, it's ranked up there next to UNC, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech. Um, it again, once again, it very much belongs in a an academically prestigious conference like the ACC. Um, it seems like with with different schools across the country that are quote unquote high academic schools, there seem to be differing degrees of how much that impacts the ability to recruit players. You know who who can get into them and who can't. Um, I know Stanford historically has huge issues with being able to get guys into school, whereas there's some others that maybe can sneak guys in. You know, especially being a private school, you can kind of set your own standards, set your own curriculum, that kind of thing. Um, has that historically been a sticking point? with with Boston College again and, and I think we talked about it a, li- a little bit but not just the getting guys in from an academic standpoint but also keeping them in yeah I think every coach at least since I've been following the program has I think known that there is a standard there um, everybody's expected to go to class everybody's expected to put in the work so to speak mm-hmm. um and and there are like to echo the virginia episode there aren't really any bs majors at boston college um so yeah i mean every coach i think since i've been following the program has had to be really good about screening potential recruits and making sure that they don't um spend effort on somebody who's not going to be able to get in past admissions mm. Um, that said, I think once somebody is in the program does a really good job of keeping them in, of giving them the resources to succeed. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think just the initial screening tends to be good enough that, that once somebody's in they're somebody who fits the culture, somebody who's there because they do want to go to class and, and put in that work. So, uh, it hasn't been a problem from that perspective. Gotcha. So you're not seeing anything really in the way of academic suspensions or dismissals or that kind of thing. That's pretty rare, I'd say, yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break here to remind you about Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place for buying all sorts of great Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, They've got T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts. They've got things in the official Tech Gold. They've got things with the ATL logo on them. All sorts of great apparel that you can only find in one place. And again, that is at Section103.com. Uh, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. And, and again, they've got things for men, women, children, something for the whole family. If you're looking to rep Georgia Tech, there is no better place to go. I love mine. It is incredibly comfortable. It looks great. It's high-quality stuff. I've, I've had it for a while. I've been wearing it constantly. I've had no issues with it. Can't wait to buy more. They're always coming out with new designs, too. Uh, they had something for basketball season. They had some stuff for baseball season. Uh, they've got this new shirt out that kind of looks like it uh, resembles a fight, win, drink, get naked set of icons. I, you know, could be it's just speculation. I don't know, uh, but you might, might want to go check it out. Once again, that's at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Tell them I sent you. I love my stuff. You will too. Now, let's get back to it. All right, let's talk about the admin, because this is probably one of the most fascinating areas of the Boston College football program, the athletic department itself. All right, Gene D. Flip, though, that's kind of where this conversation starts, in my opinion. So he really builds up the football program, right? They have that period of great success there, 2007, 2010, time you were there, really good football program. He retires in 2012. Brad Bates is hired. He hires Adazio. We know how that turned out, right? Kind of up and down. Resigns in 2017. Martin Jarman comes in. All intents and purposes, great athletic director. Leaves for UCLA. Um, He's, of course, responsible for hiring Jeff Halfley. Then you bring in Kraft, who has now left for Penn State. So a couple questions here. Number one. In regard to Brad Bates specifically, his hiring of Adazio, do you view that as kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of like BC hitting this snag where they go from Spaziani to Adazio, then he just didn't really ever let Adazio go? Like <laughs> Adazio was around forever. 
BC was pretty much a mediocre program his entire time. He was the head coach. They never really seemed to move on from him until Jarman comes in and kind of cleans house. So, you know, how detrimental was that in, in your eyes? Um, and how does that compare to going from Jagodzinski kind of pulling the trigger on firing him real quick, bringing in Spaziani, who was a disaster, and then moving on to Adazio? Like, where does this kind of... Where, where do you think things really went wrong here in, in the last 15 years for BC before kind of getting back on the ascent with Halfley? Yeah, I mean, um, Spaziani kind of gets overlooked because it was a shorter period. He was only there mm-hmm. for four years. He was really, really bad. Um, you know, every single year, um, the win total declined. Um, I think we went from like a 10 win program to an eight win to a seven win down to four. And then his final year, two wins. Uh, we lost to army that year. Uh, we lost to UCF before they were a decent group of five program. Um, so yeah, it was really rough. Uh, recruiting was non-existent practically. Um, so again, not to give a too much credit, he quickly came in and actually stabilized the program and got them back to, you know, low level bowl eligibility, six, seven wins. Um, that was good. Um, the issue became, it was very clear from an early stage that that's all he was going to do. Um, and yet for, I think some people in the BC administration, uh, notably the president and the board of trustees, I feel like what he was doing was good enough for them. You know, the guys were graduating. They had a winning record. They went to a low level bowl thing. Good enough. I think in their eyes. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, the alumni completely uh, lost interest because that's not what we signed up for. And that's not the, you know, the football team that we remember from our time there. Um, Brad Bates in general, not a bad guy, but um, there wasn't really an emphasis on winning when he was here. Um, it was just sort of like, oh, we're about, you know, developing the student athlete as whole individuals. And that's great. Don't get me wrong. There's a place for that at BC and there always will be, but no real emphasis on winning, which again, just, it didn't fly. Um, yeah. To, to your was... knowledge, did, did Bates... Did he resign or did he, and I'm using air quotes here, resign? He quote unquote resigned. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I want to circle back real quick to, to an earlier question I have, because I'm going to ask it a different way. So I brought up kind of where is football in the pecking order? You said it was kind of at the top. And the reason why I asked you that question is because you mentioned the comment about how the emphasis for, you know, the higher ups at BC was that donors would fund, you know, facility improvements and that sort of thing. Um, And then, you know, we we were talking about like all these athletic directors and stuff like that. And, you know, Brad Bates is there. Emphasis isn't really on winning, you know, Adazio is the coach, you know, when you talk about, okay, terminating a contract with Adazio, people saw what he was doing as good enough, you know, people outside of like the athletic director. So how big of a concern is it at Boston College in your eyes? And let me know if I'm misrepresenting this, by the way. But how big of a concern is it in your eyes that BC's administration outside of the athletic director doesn't seem to be really putting the emphasis on the football program itself? And this is an issue Virginia Tech had too with with their with their current president. It's been a question for for a few years before they finally fired Puente. So I'm, I'm curious to hear kind of you know where the where the BC administration itself kind of stands in, in terms of how fans view it and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's a huge concern. Um, you know, there was this one year I forget exactly which one it was, but BC football and basketball did not win an ACC game at all in that in that year um that was kind of the wake-up call where a lot of alumni got really pissed off and started holding the board's feet to the fire a little bit um and if there's one way to get them to listen it's to stop donating um 
that was sort of the catalyst to start to bring about some of these changes. Um, now, again, they tend to be slow to react. So, you know, I, I think a lot of fans have known all along what we needed to do to get the programs back on track. You needed to hire a better coach. You needed to invest on a new indoor practice facility. Um, you need to, you know, increase the budget for assistance so that, you know, back when you had Don Brown and Ryan Day as your defensive and also offensive coordinators, they don't just get up and leave as soon as another program comes calling because they're getting paid cents on the dollar. I mean, Ryan Day would have left eventually anyway, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's one of those things where I don't know if it can be solved. Things are getting better. It's just getting better very, very slowly. Um, it's been a decade of trying to kick them, you know, drag them kicking and screaming into where college football has been since the mid 2000s. I think, and that's, I don't think that's just a Boston college thing either, Kevin. I mean, that seems to be, there's a good number of ACC programs that, you know, are, are, are doing it that way. There's very few that seem to be putting buku bucks into, into their program to try to keep up with other conferences. You know, call it the TV contracts, call it, you know, whatever it is with it, with the ACC, you know, is it, is it being in, you know, some of these Northern areas versus Southern areas? And, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's a common theme that I've seen. And, and so I'm, I'm with you. Um, I overall, again, kind of coming into this, Kevin, I, I looked at Boston college and I, I mostly, I look at location and I look at what they've been for maybe the past 10 years or so on the field. And I think, you know, this really should be a hard job. Um, th this is, this is a hard job. It's, it's not obvious to see how, you know, what the real consistent path to success is. And yet again, we look back at the history and kind of what a lot of the coaches have done coming through there. Um, there's been a relative level of success. And, and so I guess ultimately just top to bottom, some of the, the, the recent lack of peaks, I guess, are we saying that that is more a result of poor hires or more a result of kind of uh, slow funding increases, changing conferences, you know, a bit of a local talent drain maybe? You know, is it, is it more coaching related or is it more kind of program maintenance related? I would put the blame more towards coaching personally. Um, you know, I do think, like I said, some of the um, behind the scenes stuff, it wasn't up to par for a while and that didn't help at all. But um, yeah, it, as soon as Hathley came in, things seemed to have improved. I mean, granted, the on the field results have not improved yet. Um, but, you know, it, it seems pretty obvious things are heading in the right direction. And, and the, the way that he was able to do that so quickly, it just leads me to believe that we just didn't have the right guy in that position for so long. Mm -hmm. How important is this next athletic director hire? Because it does really feel like this is a time and it, BC is in such a kind of like a, they've been in a state of transition with both their football and basketball programs in particular. And you know, now BC hires a coach on the football side and the basketball side that a lot of fans believe in. And now you're in a spot where your athletic director is changing and you got a new AD coming in who's got no tie to these guys. Like, how important is it for BC to, to get this hire right, considering that the athletic director position itself has been a revolving door, but for good reason, you know, these, these guys have been coming in, they've been doing really well and they've been sought after by other schools. So what do you think BC's approach is going to be with this next hire? Do they go after another up and comer? Do they, you know, bring in somebody who may be there a bit longer, you know, kind of in for the long haul, like a BC type guy, like what direction do you think they go in here? Yeah. I mean, I would prefer them to continue doing what they have been doing for the past two hires. Um, even if the person only spends a few years there, if they leave BC a better place than they found it, that's okay with me. Um, you know, Jeff Hathley is going to be on his third athletic director in his time at Boston college. Like uh, I know we'll lose him eventually, but like 
just scares me that like he's just going to be sick of this lack of stability and just mm -hmm. get out as soon as he can um so yeah it's definitely going to be important to find the right person who can build that relationship who can get the football program the resources that they need um i think the biggest risk is hiring another guy like brad bates and going back to that mentality where you know we'll go out there and give it the old college try and you know hope you have fun when you're out there doing it like i, I just i'd have a hard time watching that like uh, it wouldn't be worth my time mm. uh, um so we'll see i i do not know where they're gonna go because there is a strong sentiment about some alumni that we need a bc guy in there somebody who loves the university like i do and is going to want to be there and going to want to stay there for years and years and years i mean there, there are people out there in the athletic director world who are bc alums and um could potentially be a candidate for it i don't know their resumes back back and forth so i can't say whether or not they're actually qualified but it is something that could happen potentially and might not be the worst thing. Hmm. Mike, I think that's all I've got on BC kind of, you know, steady state. I am curious a little bit to get Kevin's takes on the current coaching staff. If, if you want to take a couple minutes and do that. Yep. So Kevin, you know, you, you've listened to this show long enough that you heard us talking about the, the hire of Jeff Halfley and, you know, his staff when he was brought in, and I remember, at least for me, I was kind of skeptical, uh, being that Halfley was mostly like an NFL guy historically, um, hadn't really done a ton of recruiting in history, was coming right off of like one year of being Ohio State's defensive coordinator where the whole, uh, the whole theory was, let's just simplify it and run simple stuff because we've got a whole bunch of dudes on the defense, you know, and it's like that and then bringing in coordinators that were NFL guys, it, it just... All of it felt like, you know, I don't know if this is going to fit or work, you know, at the college level necessarily. But those guys have absolutely gelled and done a great job uh, so far. And and I, I for sure have been very impressed with kind of what they did immediately following the, the Adazio turnaround or the Adazio situation. Like, I don't know that necessarily the win-loss record reflects it, but certainly when I watch the game with my eyes, like they – it looks different, and, and I think Phil Jerk, uh, Jerkovic, Jerkovic, Jerkovic. Yeah, we're we're in the off season. I'm <laughs> I'm struggling. Um, you tell me though, like you know, what were your thoughts when that hire was first made, and how how have the results kind of compared to your your expectations? Yeah, um, I was always pretty much in on Jeff Halfley, um from the, the get go. Um, his, you know, he was only at Ohio State as a co-defensive coordinator for one season so that track record was a little short um before that he was multiple defensive uh, backs coach positions in the nfl um but i think his charm and his recruiting ability was pretty evident from the get-go um and from day one he's been very you know upfront about number one you know this is going to be an environment where we're going to care about the recruits and they're going to know that they're cared about as people. Number two, we're going to develop these people to the NFL. Um, and that's really been the main recruiting pitch the whole time is everybody on staff, well, almost everybody on staff has some experience in the NFL and knows what it takes to succeed in the league. And, um, you know, that's just been their pitch is we're going to take you coach you up, develop you. And if you have this ability to get to the NFL, we'll help you get there. Um, yeah, the Halfley hire was awesome. I was all about it from the get go. And I'm not surprised that so far it seems to be working. How long do you think he stays at BC? That's yeah. Scary question, but I would probably give it three years or so. Um, you know, it's tough because so far the results on the field haven't been anything remarkable, anything better than Adazio did. 2020 was year one and it was the COVID year. So, okay. Uh, and last year, Dr Dracovic broke his wrist. So, okay. 
Um, at some point, you know, the results will need to be there um, in order for him to move up to another program or, you know, maybe a head coach or coordinator position in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll get there in the next three years. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm just being, you know, a homer. Maybe I just am seeing it through his colored glasses. I don't know. <laughs> well, and you don't want to, you know, live life just waiting on your coach to leave you. You know, it's, that's kind of a, a dangerous place to be, I think, spiritually. Um, you know, I, I, I'll, wait, 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 wait a second. You're, you're waiting on your coach to leave you. I, that can't happen fast enough. Uh, that's, that's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's not going to leave us or someone better. At least I know that. Um, <laughs> um, the the other interesting thing I think that I I don't think Mike that we have mentioned it on this podcast since the end of the season is that offensive coordinator Frank Signetti Jr. left Boston College I believe to go to Pittsburgh if I'm not mistaken um, so a little inner intra conference transfer uh, he's replaced by John McNulty uh, former you know spent a couple of years at tight ends coach at Notre Dame was an analyst at Penn State Rutgers uh, and then was in the NFL for several years before that. Uh, what were your thoughts, Kevin, on that hire? Did you uh, like it? Is there any sort of word coming out of Boston College on on how that'll change things, if at all? Yeah, um, I'm not sure what to think about it, to be honest. Um, Halfley seems to like to select offensive coordinators who are stable, who he can trust because they've been around the block and they know what they're doing and they're going to need minimal involvement from him. Um, since he is a younger head coach, um, you know, it, it does seem like he's going to potentially put in some more college elements into the Boston college offense. The, the offense under Signetti was very heavily pro style and, and not much else. So we might see some spread. We might see some run pass option, uh, next year. Um, you know, I do not know how excited I am for McNulty to be honest but I do think it was um you know good that Signetti left whether that was his choice or maybe somewhat of a mutual parting of ways Hmm. in terms of the returning team you know you kind of talked about how all right yeah 2020 is year one COVID year you kind of cross off the list anyway Last year, there were a lot of expectations for Boston College. Joey and I both expected Boston College to be the second best team in the Atlantic behind Clemson. Obviously, Clemson was very bad relative to their standards. You know, very bad is, I guess, an overstatement. They still won 10. Pretty terrible 9 um, and 3 team. Yeah, right. Um, odd. <laughs> anyway, um, they go 9 and 3 in the regular season, won the bowl game great. So they, they won 10 games. Uh, BC obviously did not finish second in the Atlantic because they had the injury to Dracovic. But realistically, like expectations for Halfley in the program moving forward from a diehard BC Eagles fan like yourself, like where do where do fans expect BC to be now under Halfley? Like, do they fully expect BC to be the second best team in the Atlantic moving forward? I think that is the dream but I think that's potentially a little bit unrealistic. Um, You you know, I'd like to say that they could do that. And I think when the program's at their best, they could do that. Um, But if I look at the schedule for next year, I mean, it's tough sledding in the Atlantic. I mean, Clawson's got Wake Forest running at full capacity, Dave Doran and North NC State doing great things. You know, I'm not as scared of Clemson as I used to be, but, they're still a powerhouse. Um, there's a lot of 50-50, 60-40 type games that, you know, I just know Boston College isn't going to be able to pull off like a 10-2 season out of that. Like it just, it's not going to happen. Um, I personally would like to just see them get over that seven wing hump. I'd like nine, but I'll take eight. Um, and if they do that, I'd be happy. I think, as we said, that would be the first time since Jeff Jagosinski was fired that they had won eight or eight or more games in a season like that. That's a long time to go without that kind of peak. So I I understand that that excitement over that. You know, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little sad that that would be exciting, but um, we are where we are. We can't change that. Yeah. Uh, last thing, Kevin, are, are you planning on going to homecoming this fall? I am not. Um, hand up. I am a bit of a bad fan when it comes to that. I do live out of state, and it's been a number of years since I've been up there. Um, but hopefully soon I'll make my return to the Heights. Well, the the reason I ask that is actually it's kind of sneaking that inside of another question. Or, or you know, I I was curious to know if we knew when the Red Bandana game is this fall, and it is on the homecoming game at uh, against Clemson. So all I know is that that has got to be about the most electric atmosphere I can imagine for a Boston College football game. That would, seems like that would be a hell of a game to be at. So I, I'm looking forward to watching that myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've given Clemson a game two years in a row now. Um... We'll see. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I think he playing DJU, he probably got a shot. I was going to say, Boston College <laughs> will have the better quarterback on the field if that's the case. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> if their no quarterback is healthy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big if, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he, he came back towards the end of last season, but I don't think he was fully healthy playing those games. He, Ed Arm did not look the same. So I guess we'll see if, yeah. uh, if that healed up over the offseason. <laughs> yeah. Got Mike, that's all I got for Kevin on Boston College. Anything else? Don't think so. Kevin, this was really informative, man. Appreciate you uh, jumping on with us, your fandom of the podcast, of course. Uh, really appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, no, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. This was a blast. Um, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks Thanks for your time. Thanks for your insight. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, thanks for, you know, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon to, to check in and see how things are going. Yeah, that'd be awesome, guys. Awesome. Kevin, appreciate it. Have a great night. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again soon. All right. See you guys. All right, Mike, that was Kevin Carpenter once again. Uh, thanks so much to him. That was a great conversation that we had. Um, I, I again, I am fascinated at some of the things that came up, and I think that we really are at a very interesting crossroads or an interesting time for Boston College. Um, again, going back to the, they're going to be hiring their third athletic director in you know what a, a six seven year span, basically since Martin Jarman was hired a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff Halfley going to be working for his third boss in as many seasons. Like that's that's not a super comfortable place, I think, for for a guy like that to be, especially someone that we we think is someone who could be jumping off elsewhere. And yet again, we have seen a lot of people have some pretty good levels of success at Boston college. And there's, there's some, uh, some, some things in place there. I think that are, are setting him up for success. So I don't know that he necessarily needs to be in a, in a real hurry to run off as quick as he can. Yeah. Thank God. I re-asked that question. Um, and, and in terms of kind of where the, where the administration kind of views the program, right? Because I think that really does feed into who their next hire is going to be with their AD. Mm -hmm. um, are they going to go get a BC guy who is going to be in there for the long haul? Um, or are they going to kind of continue down the path, um, which is what Kevin prefers, by the way, you know, continue down the path of kind of hiring the, the next up and comer comes in, leaves BC better than they found it and kind of moves on to the next endeavor. Like is BC in, in a better state or a good enough state now where they don't have to be a stepping stone school anymore. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And I think we're going to get a lot of insight into how the um, administration views the, the Boston college program now, because like Kevin mentioned, I thought it was a really good point. All it takes is some losses to pile up and people will stop donating. And, you know, he mentioned the year where Boston College's football program and basketball program didn't win a single ACC game. And that was kind of the, the turning point where, you know, the alums got real mad and pressure started kind of mounting on the administration to really make the athletic department a true priority again. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, when I initially asked the question, you know, he had mentioned, uh, Kevin had mentioned about the facilities and how, um, you know, donors really are the ones that in Boston College, you know, in the administration's view, they should be the ones kind of funding the 
improvements to the facilities, right? It, it shouldn't be the university itself, which made me wonder, okay, do they even care about football? But then we got kind of further into the conversation. I was like, okay, wait, in a broader sense, how much do they care about athletics as a whole? Right. And that's kind of where we went down that, where we went down that rabbit hole of kind of how they view things now versus how they viewed things about 10 or 15 years ago. So really, really informative stuff from Kevin there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, those are the kinds of things that you and I would never know from the no. outside. Like no. these are the things, you know, from, from being around the program, from researching the program, it certainly helps, you know, having gone to the school and kind of understanding some of these things from a, a really up close and personal uh, standpoint. Um, and, and that, that's a huge deal, right? Is how does the administration approach athletics in general? How does it approach football in particular? And, and that's where you have issues with getting an indoor facility built. That's where you have issues, you know, with keeping up with coaching contracts, you know, as other places are, are raising salaries and all that. Can you keep up? Um, so it, it is it is promising, you know, that they have gotten some more administrative support in, in the last couple of years, maybe. Um, and I think it says something, too, you know, on some level, it's like, again, Martin Jarman hired away maybe three years in by UCLA. Uh, and now we got Pat Kraft pretty immediately getting hired away by Penn State. When you've got them taking some of these, what I would call premier AD jobs in the country, that means you're hiring good people right. that are doing good things. And and I think that, as well as kind of what we said a little bit about how there have been a good run of coaches that have come through this this program over the last century, I mean, there's something to that. When, when you have a, a particularly good run of hiring different coaches that are all are finding ways to be successful and, and tend to have a, a really good name for themselves in the sport, this is a place that attracts good coaches, um, you know, right. for, for pick your reason. Um, so that's I think that's the thing that, you know, is really kind of comforting if you're a Boston College fan is, you know, well, dang, like we have to replace Jeff Halfley. Well, we've replaced coaches a lot of times historically. Um, yeah, just, and I didn't mention this on the on the podcast, but now I'm thinking about it now. Like, eventually, you don't have to hire the up and comers anymore. It's mm-hmm. like there's nothing left to really resurrect. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, you know, you get to a point where it's like, and and I'll turn this back a little bit to Virginia Tech had a really bad basketball program, mm-hmm. right? Um, they had a decent program with Seth Greenberg. They made a really Jim Weaver, rest in peace, made a really awkward firing with Greenberg at a weird time in the calendar and tech hired James Johnson, one of Greenberg's old assistants who left Virginia tech, went to Clemson for like a month and then came back to be the head coach basketball program was in the dumpster with him and had no head coaching experience kind of was hired out of necessity basketball program, really bad for two years. So what did Virginia tech do? Well, Whit Babcock was hired. They brought in Buzz Williams, Buzz Williams resurrected the program, right. For a five year period, um, brought them from really horrible program to being in the Sweet 16 on the cusp of an Elite Eight in basketball. Mm-hmm. And then what does Virginia Tech do after that when the program is now um, seen as a more attractive option? They bring in Mike Young, who is from Radford. He's, he's a Southwest Virginia guy, you know, and, and he's a very good, you know, was a very good coach at Wofford and now has led to Virginia Tech to a couple of NCAA tournaments already. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like that like you can stop bringing eventually you stop bringing in the up and comer and you bring a guy who that's his dream job like that's mm-hmm. where he wants to be mike young his entire career has wanted to be at virginia tech and coach basketball there from, from that he was he grew up going to games at castle coliseum so eventually if you're bc to, to draw it back to the original point you're no longer the up and comer the program's got enough stability they're good enough that you're no longer bringing in an up-and-coming head coach. You're bringing in a guy who really wants to be there, who happens to be a really good coach. You're bringing in the athletic director who really wants to be there, happens to be a really good athletic director. So I think BC is going to get to that point here pretty soon with their football program where Halfley is going to turn it into a job that a lot of people want, right, rather than a stepping stone for an up-and-coming guy. Yep. And the athletic director is going to really want to be there for the long haul, but not just be a placeholder where he's like, oh, well, we're going to go out and, and like Kevin said, give it a college try. Mm-hmm. Like like, it, like what happened with Brad Bates, um, you know, in, in the late 2000s. Yep. You know, I, I think you're going to get a guy in there who, you know, maybe wants to be there for the long haul, but also really cares about the success of the program. You know, you ideally want to have both 
and and maybe maybe if it's not this athletic director hire, maybe it's the next one. Yeah, and there's something to be said about you know Jeff Halfley, yes, an up and comer, but also a guy who has kind of we'll say quote unquote been there, like knows what it's supposed to quote unquote look like. You know, coming from Ohio State, it's it's easy for him to say, well, we, we had, you know, this recruiting support staff doing this. This is what our strength staff was doing. Uh, this was some of our, uh, you know, how we hosted recruits when they came on campus. Like, you can point to those things and say, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what we need to do. Something similar. Obviously, you can't build the entirety of Ohio State's operation at almost anywhere other than Ohio State. But you can kind of point at that and say, I, I'm telling you, I came from this, I saw it, here's what we're supposed to do. And then at some point, you've got the infrastructure built. So that kind of what you're saying is if if he does leave, it's easier to advertise it to other coaches. Right. If you point it and say, well, look, we already have all this recruiting support staff, we already have, uh, you know, this strength and conditioning program, you know, in place, and, and we support this, you know, we are putting uh, our resources into making sure this stays the way that it is. So, right. I think there's something to that as well in terms of being, you know, attractive to a potential coach that I, I think, you know, Jeff Halfley might be there for only, you know, three, four years total, maybe more, hopefully more. But ultimately that that impact could continue to be felt after he's gone uh, of right. you know, building some of that infrastructure that you need to keep up with the Joneses these in these days. Right. Right. So it's going to be really interesting there. I think it's an exciting time to be a Boston College football fan. Mm hmm. I mean, it's got to be, you got, you know, an all ACC caliber quarterback who's who's coming back to school healthy. You got, you know, we, we talked about how much you and I respect Halfley and the job he's done at BC so far, even if the record might not indicate it's been anything special. I mean, it's pretty clear the culture's changed and the recruiting's changed and he seems to really know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's only a matter of time. And, you know, like Kevin mentioned, and, you know, we've talked about on this podcast before, like, Clemson is in a weird spot right now where, you know, things could start to look different. You know, um, they've lost a lot of assistance. They kind of had this weird gap year last year where they kind of took a step back. And I don't think either one of us expects Clemson to go and be like a seven and five program, but maybe they're not like 12 and 0, 13 and 0, mm -hmm. 11 and 1 every single year anymore. Yeah, and if they're not twelve and zero or eleven and one every single year anymore, and not like historically elite all the time, then all of a sudden, who's the team that kind of bites into that market share in the Atlantic? You know, is it a Boston College? It might be, especially if they get a year with a really good roster. They could be the team that you know knocks them off and, and makes life difficult for them in the regular season. I mean. Dennis Grossell went into Death Valley. Stop it. Stop it. Went into Death Valley, went 23 of 40 for 311 and two interceptions as Boston College lost 19-13 to Clemson last year. He also he was also the quarterback in 2019 when I saw them play in Death Valley and turned in one of the worst quarterbacking performance I had ever seen. So I'm I'm good on that. That game was slightly less competitive at a 59 to seven final score. This was a six point game that, if I'm not mistaken, they had the lead in the fourth quarter. I think like they did. this, they did. And, and this is the thing you talk about being excited as a Boston College fan. They lost four games in the middle of the year after uh, Phil Dracovic went out with that wrist injury. I bet if they have Dracovic, they win three of those. I bet they beat Clemson. They lost 28-14 uh, to Louisville on the road. I bet they win that game. They lost 21-6 to on the road at Syracuse. I bet they could win that game if you have Phil Dracovic behind center, you know, playing quarterback. So I'm just glad that Virginia Tech was their get right game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't have it any other way. That's right. 17-3 win in Chestnut Hill. Um, Gross. Yeah, and then they showed up at Georgia Tech a week later in uh, 41 to 30 took care of business there too. So good stuff. Virginia tech had three passing yards at halftime, <laughs> three or four passing yards. Bye-bye Justin uh, Fuente. Bye-bye. Uh, look, it can't be that bad this year. I mean, record wise, it might not be much better, but like from a watchability standpoint, can't be that bad. Can't be worse. Can't, can't be, be worse. worse. That's that's my uh, that's my line going into the Georgia Tech season two. Can't be worse. <laughs> or can it? What a what a great place to be in. Good you're stuff. you're almost don't worry you're almost to the really good part. Yeah. <laughs>
it's going to get better one way or another. It's just a matter of how. We'll, we'll right. see. That's where I was at, too. We'll see. Mike, that's all I got on Boston College. Anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we're good. I, I thought that was a cool episode. I, you know, Again, thanks to Kevin Carpenter for joining us. Uh, it, was, it was great meeting him. That was, uh, again, a guy who's... Uh, you know, listened to the show for a little bit, reached out and, and, and offered to, uh, to to help out. And we really appreciate that. And so if if you're hearing this again and you are not a, uh, a Boston College or a Virginia fan and you want to potentially help with an episode involving your team, hit us up. Uh, send us up, you know, a, a tweet or a DM on uh, t- Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, let us know via email at the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. That's how Kevin reached us, actually. Kevin tells us he's not a social media guy. I envy him for that. Uh, and <sighs> he reached out via email, and that's how we got into contact. Yep. And at the time of this recording, it's a good time to not be on social media. <laughs> Speaking of evergreen content, we'll just leave that. Yeah, yes. that, that still applies whenever you're listening that's, to this. That's very true. It's very true. <laughs> it could mean anything. It could. Anytime, anywhere. Uh, Mike, they're on. we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, anywhere you can go find podcasts, you should go find us there. Hit the subscribe button, uh, you know, rate us, all those things we appreciate. Where else are we on the uh, social medias there, Mike? Oh, right in the middle of the yawn. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Please do. Please do. Appreciate those who have. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we're good. I think so. One last big thanks to Kevin Carpenter, uh, and, and thanks for joining us for uh, his "Tell Us About Your Team" episode about the Boston College Eagles. Uh, go, go Eagles! I guess is that is there another chant? We are BC. I don't uh-huh. know how this works. Uh-huh. Okay. Last game. Go Eagles! We are BC. All that stuff. Mike, uh, we're going to come back and keep recording some off-season content. Might try to do another uh, "Tell Us About Your Team" episode unless something else breaks, which at this rate seems very likely. In the next couple yeah, of weeks. So, uh, it seems to be happening very quickly. Yeah. So keep it tuned here. Uh, Mike, we'll talk soon. Yep, sounds good. All right. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. One more shout-out to Kevin Carpenter. Thank him. We will talk to you guys all again soon. Until next time, go BC and go ACC. 